So I don't know how it works at your house, um, but we're going to talk about my house this morning because lo and behold, my family is not here. Um, in my house, we communicated in a very specific way, and I'm not sure if it's similar to your house, but if it is, you will resonate with it immediately. In my house, we spoke to each other, we'll, we'll call it our love language because it sounds better, but we had a love language that was mostly constructed of sarcasm. Um, and if you've met my dad, you know that that kind of trickles down from the top right? Two things you need to know about my dad before we start with this example is that he loves to humble any of his four sons at any point that he can, right? He wanted us to be men that grew up and were not full of ourselves, and so he took every opportunity to humble us that he could, right? It's just the truth. The other thing you need to know about my dad is that he is colorblind. And so imagine my delight when in high school my dad comes home off the road. He, he sits down where there is a family probably watching a baseball game, he comes in off the road, settles into the couch, and starts pulling off his boots. Now, my dad loves to buy a new pair of boots. The students mess with me because I have a thing for sneakers, but I got it honestly. My dad buys new boots like every other week. In fact, I think he got a job where they would supply him with boots and he could just charge it, right? My dad comes in with a new pair of boots, which is not abnormal at all. He comes, he sits down, he starts to pull off his boots, and the looks on my brother's faces, my mom's face, because she knew what had happened. When he pulls off these boots, and the tops of them are these horrible, vomit-colored, weird pattern. I mean, it was just horrible. It was the worst color imaginable for a pair of shoes. And he's pulling these off, and we're looking at one another, and we're like, we got him. It's here. The day has come, you know? And it was, it was so much so that we were like, I'm not even sure if we should tell him now and razz him about it or let him go in public. Just let him go in public and let the world do it for us, right? The reason I say that is this morning we're going to be talking about stress and anxiety. It's, it, it seemed timely as we go into graduation. And the truth is, for a lot of us, stress and anxiety, much like my dad being colorblind, is just a lens through which we see the world. For a lot of us, we walk through day-to-day, and stress and anxiety are just part of how we view life. We have deadlines. We have to get from Monday to Friday. We have to get our kids from practice to rehearsal and back to practice again, right? That's just life. And so when we look at stress and anxiety, it's really not even as if it's in the picture. It's just kind of the glasses through which we see it through. And that's kind of the idea that we're going to be looking at today. But what I want us to take away from today is that that's not what Christ um, wants it to be. That's not how we are designed to be. We are not designed to be creatures of stress and anxiety, creatures that are, that are full of just worry all the time. And so this morning, as we look at this passage um, in, in Philippians 4, I want you to think in terms of colorblindness and the way that we view it. So if you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles. We're going to look at Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Now, I know, I know what you're getting out of this. The youth guy just said that he's only talking on two verses, so you should have turned up the crock pot. We'll get out of here quickly. Uh, What you also need to know is that I have one semester of seminary under my belt, which means little to nothing except for that I think that I can stretch two verses to about three and a half hours. So just pray that that doesn't happen. As we jump into Philippians, as you're turning there, I want to give you just a little bit of a background on it. Uh, The church at Philippi, to which uh, Paul had written this letter, was one of Paul's favorite churches. Right, he he had planted them on his second missionary journey, and he often um, he often talked about them. And you can kind of see through um, the letter to the Philippians that he loved the church. When Paul was in 
uh, or I'm sorry, under house arrest in Rome, the Philippians sent one of their elders, Epaphrodites, to minister to him in house arrest. They loved Paul and they were thankful for him. And what we know now is that Paul sent Epaphrodites back to the Philippians with this letter. And so as we look at this, there are four main ideas that come up in the book of Philippians, and they all center around who Christ is in our lives. And that's why there are four chapters in Philippians. Um, The first of which is Christ is our life. The second is that Christ is our example. The third is that Christ is our ultimate goal. And the fourth is that Christ is our strength. And that's where we're going to pick it up this morning as we talk about the stress and anxiety in our life, that Christ is the strength that we need to break through that. So we're going to unpack what Paul says about that. Now I'm going to be reading out of the Christian Standard Version. That's what's going to be up on the screen. If you have a different version, that's great, but please read with me. It says uh, in verse 6, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, what we're looking for, what we want out of this, um, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you um, for your word. I thank you for the truths that it holds, Lord. I pray that we take those truths to heart as we try and round the corner on this stress and anxiety in our lives, God, as we, as, as we really try and overcome that in your name. God, I pray that we would leave here, and this would be our, our cry throughout the week, that we don't have to view life through these lenses, that we can live life with peace in your name. That peace is something that you want for us, God, and I pray that we would see that as we leave this morning. We love you and praise you. Amen. So let's take a look at verse 6. We're just going to dig into these um, a little deeper this morning. Verse 6, it says, don't worry about anything. Maybe your verse says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, I need you if, you, if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, go ahead and scroll through a couple of different versions in that Logos app or, or Bible app, and tell me when in your Bible, it won't be up there, when in your Bible, the word anything, is there an asterisk next to it? Go ahead, look. Look in your Bible. Scroll through your app. In my Bible, which I said is the Christian Standard Version, there is not an asterisk next to the word anything. Typically an asterisk when you're reading through your Bible means, hey, there's more to this. Go ahead and look at the bottom and we've got some fine print. Now, when I read this passage, I don't see that there is any fine print pertaining to the word anything in this verse. So I'm pretty sure that when Paul says, do not worry about anything, don't be anxious about anything, he pretty much means anything. What you need to know is that this is a command. This isn't a, this isn't a, um, a suggestion from Paul to the church of Philippi. Hey, your day would be better if you didn't worry about anything. This is a command from the God of the universe who created the stars in the sky to us via Paul. This is a command saying, do not worry about anything. But so often in my life, I find that I'm trying to add an asterisk to the word anything that there is some fine print at the bottom of my Bible that says, don't worry about anything unless you have five finals, three of which are cumulative, right? Don't worry, yeah, the, college, the ones that are in college are like, dude, I know. Um, don't worry about anything unless you get laid off and you still have the house note. Don't worry about anything unless there's problems with your marriage. Don't worry about anything unless your son still lives with you and you're worried he's going to be a bachelor to the rapture, right? Don't worry about anything. We add this fine print in there that does not 
exist. But so often I look at my life and I say, don't worry about anything except for this God. I need to worry about this. And so my question is, as we start, and maybe we're starting a little bit too hard now that I'm looking at your faces, what is the fine print in your life? When he says, don't worry about anything, what do you tend to put at the bottom of that page when it says, don't worry about anything? That's too real. Let's keep rolling. Um, it says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Now, now we, we are shifting from anything. Let's focus on everything. Again, is there an asterisk next to the word everything? There is not. There's not my Bible. If there isn't yours, holler at me after the sermon, Okay. There's not an asterisk. There's no fine print under anything or everything. And so what that leads me to believe is that, number one, don't worry about things. That's a command from God. But number two, he wants to hear everything. There's, there's nothing too small for God's ears. Often I roll through my life. I'm rolling through Monday to Friday, and I'm like, well, I really, I really need this. But that's, I mean, that's small. It's this. God doesn't care about that. He's got other things going on like halfway around the world. And the truth to which this is, it says, in everything through prayer and petition, bring everything through God's ears. He wants to hear everything that we have going on. And this is a really cool thing, that the God of the universe actually cares about the tiniest thing going on in your life. Maybe your schedule isn't working out and it's stressing you out and it's making you yell at your kids. I hear from the kids' perspective, so I know that that happens, right? Maybe it's that you have finals coming up, and or maybe you just graduated, you seniors, and you're not really sure what's going on, but everybody graduates at some time, so it doesn't seem like that big of a thing. God wants to hear about it. Nothing is too small for you to bring before him. And this is a good thing to get in the habit of knowing. Because if one thing is too small, then often we're going to go through life, and that next thing is too small, and that next thing is too small. We realize that we're not bringing anything before. So let's keep going in verse 6. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication. What does supplication mean? That's kind of a big word, and that's kind of a scary word. My, my passage, it says petition, right? What does that mean? Essentially, what this means is... I'm going to bring it up. When he says prayer, it's basically a general term for um, worshipful conversation. And with supplication, it means um, telling God what you need. My favorite thing is to look at the Psalms, and you'll see David as he's maybe running from Saul. He may, be, um, just, he may have just uh, slept with Bathsheba. We see that David is going through life, and the Psalms are a really cool way to look at David's life as he moves on. And you see supplication there. If you type supplication in on um, your Bible app, that's probably what it's going to bring up because David was really, really, really great at speaking to the Lord about the things that were going on. Hey, God, these people are chasing me and they want to kill me, and I need you to know about that, right? Hey, God, I know I messed up in your sight. And I know that it's my fault, and I am so sorry about that, but we need to talk about that. And essentially what Paul is saying here is that Everything needs to come before God with prayer and supplication. That sounds really, really simple. That, that, that sounds incredibly simple for us to say. I'm, I'm going to bring everything before God, and I'm going to just tell him what we need. But the truth of the matter is that we like to hang on to things, or at least I do. I'm really good at holding on to things that I think are mine. I let that asterisk be next to everything and anything. If you talk to the students, they would tell you that one of the things that I struggle with is worry, right? We're pretty open. They know that about me. One of the things that I struggle with 
is worry. And because of that, we'll do a personal example so you don't feel like I'm talking to you all morning. Because of that, in the summer of 2014, I was on a mission trip. I was doing my thing. I was a college kid, and that's what we did, right? And I got very, very sick, right? I got very, very sick. My appendix ruptured. I was a dumb college kid, so I kept working, and I sat on it for about a week. Grace of God, he walled that off, and I didn't die. Cool, right? So because of that, um, they, they were doing operations to kind of clean me out. And we, the doctor comes to me and says, hey, everything's good with your appendix, and like nothing was permanently harmed, but we did find a couple of tumors on your colon, right? That's a big deal to, to a 19, 20-year-old kid, right? We found a couple of tumors on your colon. So, but because of that, because my appendix ruptured, they found these tumors that I would have never known about otherwise. And they were able to clean that out. They were able to take those off. And thank goodness, I'm still around today because of that. And every time I go to my doctor, they're like, no, you're good. No tumors, you're cancer-free. So what you would think is because of that, somebody in my position, somebody who is still kicking around because God was good enough to let that happen and bring me through that, what you would think is that I would focus on God's provision in my life. You would think that I would focus on the fact that God is all-knowing and he knew what I needed. He knew that I needed to get to the hospital so they could find these tumors. You would think that. But the truth is, what I typically do is I worry. You see, what came out of that wasn't a newfound um, you know, encouragement from God. What didn't come out of that was me saying, okay, I can rely on him for everything because he knows what I don't even know. What came out of that was I'm a young guy who realizes for the first time that I am not invincible. And that's kind of a scary thing for a young man. And so even now, even several years later, what will happen is a lot of times I'll have a headache or I'll have a stomach ache or my back will hurt because I spent all Saturday playing with the youth boys in basketball, right? But for whatever reason, I don't feel well. And the first thing that comes to my mind is, is it, is it back? Is it back? I didn't know the last time that I had that going on in my colon. Is something there that I don't know about? And I worry. You can ask my wife. It, sometimes it keeps me up at night. It's the, it's the thing that I go to bed thinking about. I don't sleep well at night. And then I get up the next morning, and it's the first thing I think about again. I worry. I'm prone to anxiety, and I'm prone to not want to let go of that. But eventually, typically because Caitlin tells me to, I eventually come to a place where I realize that, okay, this, this, that's not something I can handle anyway. It's not something that I can get through anyway. That's something that I need to talk to God about. My anxiety releases. So why do I do that? Why, why do I do that? Why when I know that if I take that before the Lord, my anxiety will be relieved, but when I am in control, it raises up? The reason is, and this is something that I think a lot of you will find in common with me, is because I am 110% a control freak. It's the truth. I'm 110% a control freak. And what I believe is that if I can even control my worries, if I can control my fears, if I can control the things that scare me the most, then we are better off. I'm better off if I can control that. Even knowing that God had saved me from my health before, I'm convinced that I know what is best. The crazy thing about that is when I allow God to take the things that scare me the most, he brings relief to me, right? But I would almost rather go through the stress and anxiety of it all and might be at the helm than hand it over to him. The truth is that we find so much more joy, independence on God 
than we do in control of ourselves, right? That's, that's, that's something that I, I pray for our seniors as they're going into college, as they're going into work, is that you guys understand very quickly, faster than I have, and I'm still learning, is that dependence on God is so much better than you being in control. It will bring you much more joy in the long run. And so we see, don't worry about anything. There's no exception to anything. Don't worry about anything that's going on, whether it's school, whether it's work, whether it's your marriage, whether it's financial issues. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, everything that is going on through life, there's no asterisk to that. Through prayer and petition, give thanksgiving. Now let's talk about this word thanksgiving. This is kind of crazy because I feel like Paul just kind of threw a wrench in there, right? This is, it's almost as if Paul was so stressed out from being detained at home that he messed up his words. Maybe it's that his ankle bracelet was getting to him or that he had too many tents that were backordered, right? But through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. See, in my mind, that is not the order of normal operations. Through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. In my mind, the way that this typically works is, hey God, I've got this problem. And I'm going to freak out a little bit. Cool? I'm going to freak out a little bit. And eventually, I will bring it to you, and you'll hook me up, and we'll get through this, and then I'll thank you for it. That's typically how it goes in my mind. But Paul says that is not the way that things are supposed to go. Through prayer and petition or supplication, we're bringing it before God. With thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. He says that thanksgiving goes in the middle. It belongs in the midst of our asking God for help. And and really what he would say there is that this thanksgiving in the middle plays a a crucial part to our asking for God's help. See, what Paul says this is supposed to look like is, I'm freaking out because something's going on and I'm full of stress and anxiety. And then I go ahead and give it to God. And before he even comes through, before he even hooks me up, I'm thanking him for several things. I'm thanking him for who he is. I'm thanking him for what he's done for me in the past and the truths that I know about him. I'm thanking God for how he will come through in the beginning. And I think that's a really great way for us to learn to pray. And seniors, that's something that I hope for you, I'm going to keep saying that, is not only that you wouldn't be filled with anxiety as you go on this next step of life, that you would know that thanking God in the middle of asking for his help is a big thing. And those are three really great ways to do it. So if you've if you got your notebooks, you can go ahead and write that down, right? The three ways that we need to thank God are just that. Thank him for who he is. Thank him like you know how powerful he is. Thank him like you know that he has blessed you before. Thank him that you know that his scripture is true and everything we read about him is true. He wants what is good and beneficial for you, right? Thank him for his sacrifice on the cross. Thank him because he saved you from your sin. Thank him because of what you know about him and you know that he's good. Secondly, like I said a second ago, thank him for who um, or for what he's done in the past. If you're like me, it's very easy for me to gloss over the fact that I probably should have died somewhere when I sat on my appendix being ruptured for a few days, right? But a few years removed from that, you wouldn't think so, but it's very easy for me to go throughout my days not trusting the God that got me past that. It's very easy for me to even forget that that even happened, right? That sounds dumb now that I say that out loud. But it's true. It's true that I walk through life so often forgetting what God has done for me in the past. 
Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Seniors, I encourage you, recount the things that God has done for you in the past. Hey, he got me through that. Hey, I, I remember when my parents got divorced. We got through that. We're getting through that. Hey, I didn't get in the college I wanted or I got in the college I, I wanted to go to and now I owe all kinds of money, right? He's getting me through that, right? Maybe, maybe you got out of college and you didn't get the job you wanted or maybe you're not in the field you want. Maybe there's hurt going on um, with your son or daughter. Remember the things that God has got you through in the past and thank him for that. Paul says that that's a crucial part of asking him for help. And thirdly, thank him for what he's already going to do. Very often, um, I, I have to remind myself and I find myself singing the Psalms that God is good and he got David through the things that he did. And whether it's me worrying about my health, whether it's you worrying about your future, whether you're worrying about marital issues, whether you're worried about finances, whether you're worried about family things, thank God in advance for what he is already going to do in your life. Thank him for being merciful to you. Thank you for his grace and thank him for being a provider because he's provided for us thus far. Can we jump down to verse 7? As we're thanking God, we see something happen here. We see something happen here, and this is really cool. It says, The peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What does peace look like? I was talking about it a few minutes ago. A lot, of, a lot of times, we don't even know what peace looks like. We have these goggles on that are filled with stress and anxiety, and it's just how we view life. What does peace look like? I think it's, I think it's a key point that it says that peace is with God. We find the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Last night, um, I, I had done a graduation yesterday afternoon for one of our seniors, and I was like, man, I still got to wrap up that sermon, so I'm going to spend some time at Starbucks um, writing a conclusion. And while I was in there and I was reading and doing my thing, I found that these were very useful, right? Apple is good enough to give us these earbuds with each and every iPhone I buy, right? It happens. And I was, I was sitting there writing the end of this sermon. I'm just trying to mind my own business in the Starbucks, I come across, this couple comes across me who is in the middle of an eHarmony date, right? Not knocking eHarmony, if you do that, whatever, that's cool. But it was really awkward for me to be in the middle of it. It was a kind of an older couple, and they were, they were on their date, and I was like, thank you, Lord, for the peace that these earbuds bring. I do not need a part of that, right? I didn't want to be in on that conversation. Maybe you're a mom, and you have a six- and a three-year-old, and you just need to get laundry done. Thank you, Lord, that Apple gives us these earbuds, Right? I'm not going to talk about when your wife is talking because she's in the room. But thank you for these earbuds. It brings peace. And what this says here is that the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, a peace that we cannot even understand or comprehend, will come when you approach God in this way. Bring everything before him. Don't leave out anything. He wants to hear about everything. And while you're bringing it before him, go ahead and thank him for the things that he's doing in your life. Thank him for the ways that he will come through. And you will find this peace that you cannot even comprehend. I love that it says in verse 7, it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love that because so often when I am struggling, when I find things, whether it's my health, whether it's money, I go to the what ifs, right? What if it is cancer this time? What if I have tumors again next time I go to the doctor? What if we can't pay for that, right? 
What, what if this and what if that? And I love that this passage in verse 7, it will guard your hearts and minds. It drops those what ifs and becomes what nows. We're thanking God for what he has already done. What now will he do? How will he use us now, right? As I'm looking at this passage, I can't help but think we've been in, uh, we've been in Matthew, and in Matthew 27, not to give away Brian's sermon here in a few weeks, sorry, man. Um, but in Matthew 27, we see as Christ is on the cross, and he's breathing his last breaths, this picture of the temple where there's a curtain and it split or and, and it separates the holiest of holies where God is supposed to reside from everybody around us. And as Christ is leaving, losing his breath, he's losing his life, he's breathing his last breath, we see this curtain split from the top to the bottom. And that's such a cool picture of the way that we are able to come before God ourselves. We don't need a high priest. We don't need a liaison to come into the presence of God. You are able to and are encouraged to come before God with the things that you need. Stress and anxiety don't have to be there. God says, bring it before me. He says through Paul, don't leave anything out. I want to hear it all. And so what does that mean for us? It means that if you're graduating and you have, you have scary things on the horizon, right? I'm not sure what this next chapter looks like. Bring it to God. I promise as you're making plans, it will go much better if he's a part of it, right? If you're a mom or a dad of those, they'll be okay. Bring it before God. Bring your stress and anxiety before God because he cares about it. Don't think it's silly. If you're going through problems, if you're not sure of the future, bring it before him. He wants to hear about it and thank him for the ways that he will come through. And so, as I'm closing this morning, I want you to think about what is the fine print in my life? What is, what is the asterisk? When, when I say, don't worry about anything, what do you allow yourself to worry about? When it says, bring everything before me, what am I not bringing before God? We're, we're going to have the band come up in just a second, and they're going to play, um, and, I, and Brian will come up, and you can talk to him about what that is if you want to, but... This spot's going to be open. The steps are going to be open. Your chairs are there even if you want to sit there. But I would encourage you, as you go through this week, don't let it be another week where you don't bring those things before Him. We don't have to live with anxiety. We don't have to live with stress. Father God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the time that we got to spend in your word this morning. Lord, I would just pray that um, if there's somebody in this room that Maybe they're living a lifestyle of stress and anxiety. Maybe they're like me and that they have such a hard time giving that to you. God, that this would be the day that they finally give that thing up, that this would be the day that they say, okay, God is big enough to handle that. Lord, I pray for our graduates as they go into um, this new stage of life, Lord, that they would already give these next few years to you, that they would depend on you. They wouldn't be worried, God, that they wouldn't be worried about the things that are coming, that they would dedicate these years to you as they're preparing for the rest of life. Lord, we we want to be a church who is about your work, and to do that, we don't need to be concerned with the things going on around us, the the world, the, the things that cause us stress. So often that's the way that Satan makes us unusable. He bogs us down in that stress and anxiety of life. 
And I pray that today would be the day that we give those things to you. That today would be the day that we give those things to you and let you handle them because you're the only one that can. We love you and pray.